Hi, I'm Angie Lee, the host of Leadership Narratives Podcast. I've been leading teams since my 20s and have coached leaders from the world's most admired brands like Amazon, Google, American Express, Pfizer, Apple, Microsoft, and many others. On every episode, I'll be bringing on top leaders from companies you know and love to give you mini leadership masterclasses. Week after week, you'll uncover and model your leadership voice that will make a mark on the world. Subscribe to the show to get notified of every new release. Hi, welcome to our show. This is Angie Lee. You're listening to the Leadership Narratives Podcast. This is a show that will help you to discover, build, and embody your leadership voice by learning straight from leaders who grow brands you know and love. Today, we're talking about leading with purpose with Stacey Schultz, who's an expert on this topic. I'm so excited to introduce Stacey, whose professional sphere illuminates her passion for equity in education, and who also is a podcaster herself. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Stacey has a proven track record of leading students and coaching educators towards academic excellence and meaningful learning experiences. Stacey is the president of Educate, a New York City-based education management firm. Today, we'll discuss everything from learning about Stacey's journey to delving into the most important understanding of finding your purpose and using that purpose to direct all your actions and decisions as a leader. Stay tuned as we unravel Stacey's unique insights into edtech, leadership, and societal change. This is one conversation you don't want to miss. Stacey, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Angie, thanks so much for having me today. What did you have for breakfast today? Oh, good question. I actually have avocado toast with some delicious salt from uh, from a women-owned business. Oh, that's great. So a little bit of fat mixed with carbs. It seems pretty light but hearty at the same time. Yes. That's great. <laughs> Is that like your normal routine, breakfast every morning, something light to start the day? No, I wouldn't say every morning. I think sometimes I'll go deep and have like, you know, the eggs, have some meat on the side. So like a hearty dose of protein. But also I often always have a portion of carb alongside like some whole grain toast or granola or something to that nature. That's great. So you're going for the the balanced meal, it it seems Mm -hmm. like, right? That's great. I talk to many leaders and it seems like everyone has like their own, you know, morning routine and ritual, whether it involves food or without food. And it's just really interesting to find out what you're and how you start your day um, Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. So that's great. So let's uh, take a deep dive, Stacey, to talk a little bit about your career journey and we can touch on, you know, what's happening in the education sector as well as in, in the ethics space. But to start with here, can you tell us a little bit about your early life and what interest in education. Sure. And Angie, I just want to say my morning starts way before I have breakfast. (laughs) 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 I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. So my early life, uh, I grew up, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, PA. I'm very proud of my city and love my sports teams, as anyone from Philadelphia needs to um, do. <laughs> and uh, But I grew up with a lot of family nearby. My mom came from a large family, and there were lots of cousins around. My grandmom and grandpop were around, and my grandfather on the uh, my father's side was around. And I spent a lot of time with aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. And one of the things I really learned from that, one, is navigating a lot of dynamics 
and different personalities and needs and wants, but also curiosity. My grandfathers in particular were really curious about a wide variety of things. My one grandfather was actually a milkman and uh, he delivered milk first by horse (laughs) and carriage and then by the truck. He was this brilliant, caring, generous human And so not only would he deliver milk, but he also helped in the neighborhoods them kind of rig any problems they were having. So if the door wasn't shutting right, he would like quickly figure out how to get the door back on track and shut the door. And uh, I think just that really just being curious, being open and being present to people was something that really sparked my interest from an early age of how to engage in the world and um, just think about ways of being. I love that, you know, and thank you so much for sharing that. So can you tell us what are some challenges or rewards of leading in the ed tech sector? Yeah. And so Angie, so our work is not exclusive to ed tech. Uh, We're really focused on supporting and providing services to schools from a wide range of perspective, Um, really considering technology as one of the, you know, vehicles to really supporting kids um, instructionally and creating equitable learning environments and such. With that, I think any challenge in, in any setting, right, is that when we're going into support, we're often going into support some level of change. When you're supporting organizations or people to create changes, there are just some resistance at times or just some challenges to how do we really implement this in a meaningful way so that the change really sticks and has the impact it's hoping. So I think those are some of the biggest challenges is really kind of setting the stage and making a safe space for people to take those and come outside of their comfort zone and then also helping those things stick for people. I think some of the greatest rewards, of course, are when you hear about from a school leader, from a teacher, from a parent, from a student, the real impact has had on their lives. As a coach myself, when I was working in a school in New York City, I was supporting their school in really achieving graduation rates that were, you know, general education graduation rates would be on par. That's what they were trying to get to. And we did it. And they're still doing it. And something like that is really rewarding to hear that, you know, there's this impact that you created and support it to help initiate, and then it's still happening. So it almost sounds like the the rewards are actually born out of the challenges, right? Because you're teaching people how to navigate through change. And with that, you know, the rewards come after those changes. You mentioned equity in education, Stacey. Talk a little bit about why equity in education is important to you. Yeah. And you mentioned, Angie, your grandmother, right? And I had a my grandmother, who I did not know, who passed before me, but she was an equity champion, both in the civil rights movement, but also for children um, with disabilities. And she did a lot in the city of Philadelphia to make different changes. Hearing her stories really my mind going about, well, what does that mean and what could that look like? And so I learned a lot about the opportunity that schools could and communities could provide people um, to really uh, dismantle different layers of inequity. So 
To answer, follow up to what you were saying. So what does that equity in education look like, Stacey? You know, I think that's the hard thing, right? Because equity isn't a one size fit all or it's not a easy recipe right? for what does this look like or how do we do this? But I think there's a couple of things that we try to at least at educate and also I have throughout my career try to do is really help people focus on self first, right? What does that mean? And that means a lot of different things depending on who the person is, what their experiences have been, et cetera. And then I think it's also about understanding what community needs, who are in your community, what has that community not had before or need or want, right? So not you saying what they need or want, but really creating conversation and dialogue and understanding about that. And so for me, as an educator, um, as a community member, as a leader, really gaining insight from all, you know, around us of what they need. And, and I think that's part of the challenge is that it's very localized, right? If you think of it in that way, then it's very localized. So how do we keep those equity movements and, and actions localized so they can really impact people and create equitable environments is important. But I think it's also challenging because we often as a country want these like sweeping national answers or even as humans, right? We just want like, tell me the answer. I just want to do the thing, right? And it's, it's really not, um, it's not that easy. So what I'm hearing is you can't take the community out of education. So they almost go hand in hand and they need to be together at all times in order to pursue equity or to see the equity in education. So Stacey, what has been one of the most unexpected lessons you've learned while working in education? I'm thinking back to my first year in the classroom. Um, I was supporting kids in uh, New York City in District 75, students who were out of um, prison or or mental um, institutions. And one of the biggest things I learned is to stop taking myself so seriously and stop taking the work so seriously, which is, you know, sounds like, oh, really? Equity in education, that sounds really serious and important. And it is. But I think there, you know, the student, one thing the students really taught me in my classroom that first year was, yeah, but living and being together in community and laughing together is as important as anything else that's going to happen. So I think it's one of the more surprising lessons I learned. So Stacey, you just mentioned working with students that recently came out of prison or you know, at-risk youth, it sounds like. What was it like working with those students? Well, I have said, and it was amazing. I've never had another community like it, honestly. I think because the road to trust was long and hard, but once it was there, the commitment to each other was really deep. You know, I, I don't want to say I've never had another community like that. I mean, I definitely have had other communities like that, but I think in a way that would be surprising to most people, you know, in that there's just this depth and understanding and trust that is like no other for students who have been wronged in so many ways. And by giving this opportunity, or not giving the opportunity, but by creating a space where we could all really value each other and students could value themselves differently and see different futures for themselves was something that doesn't happen everywhere. I love that. I just got goosebumps as you were talking about that trust and what 
rewarding, but also it's almost like you're doing God's work. What would you say were some of the most impactful experiences you had during your teaching time, uh, especially in the K through 12 system? I think there's so many. It's so hard to like point to one, um, but I'm going to maybe fast forward us a little both um, to Eastside Community High School, where I worked in New York City, and then also um, into the work I did in schools with Teachers College. So with Eastside Community High School, one of the things I really appreciate is as a consortium school here uh, in New York City. And a consortium school means that they don't do all the regions testing, the standardized testing that other schools do. They do performance-based assessment. And there's something really awesome about sort of disrupting the system like that. Like we don't need the standardized tests to tell us how our students are doing, but really give students those real-life skills of presenting what they learned. And they would do that in different roundtables. And at the roundtables, you would have students, you'd have parents, you'd have other teachers, you'd have professionals from the field coming to really rank and, and rate, like, where are you in your mastery of these different standards versus just, you know, did you answer these five questions that pertain to these standards, right? You know, do you really know what you're talking about here? And can you apply it to learn to different situations? And so that was a really impactful experience to be a part of that work and to help support students through that that work and seeing, you know, just where some of the kids end up is really amazing. That's great. So what would be, can you point to one transformative moment in your career that sort of solidified your commitment to education? Mm, know that I can point to one. Yeah, I'm not sure I can point to one, but I, I will say what was interesting for me was becoming a parent and having my own children go through the public K to 12 uh, system, which they're currently in, particularly one of my children who uh, has an IEP and has some different supports that he needs. And just being on the other side of the conversation, and that's really how I'm often made to feel that I am on the other side of this, <laughs> despite the fact that I come with a wealth of experience and strategies, et cetera, et cetera. I'm really treated like I'm on the other side of the table. If anything, that reinvigorated my commitment to education for that, as you mentioned and summarized before, education is community. And if we're still treating parents and teachers and school communities like us versus them, rather than we work together, there's some deep work to be done. In your role as an education leader, Stacey, what strategies have you found to be most effective in promoting inclusive and equitable education? So one of the things we always talk about in our organization is the inside-out approach. Right? So what we do inside our organization and what we learn together as a team and then how can we then support other organizations and schools in developing kind of those similar habits? I think one of the things is really transparency, providing access and opportunity for people to know and see what's going on under the hood, so to speak, right? And then also being a part of those uh, dialogues. Here's what we're seeing and allowing platforms and spaces for people to name the potential challenges 
um, that they're seeing, but also ideas for how might we solve this, right? Like we take on that real um, designing for equity mindset of what are the problems out there and uh, that we're seeing and how do we come together and have those dialogues. I think one of the other strategies to really promote is like two things that we really work on is like collective leadership and collective impact. And so how does everyone come to the table really knowing their strengths so that they can lean in from there, you know, towards that shared collective impact that we're trying to have as an organization. And similarly, like I mentioned, that inside out, then using that in, in a school. Uh, another thing that we talk a lot about is generative conflict. You know, how do you have that true generative conflict in a community so that you can voice difference of opinion and still get underneath what someone might mean or or saying the hard things that need to be said and still move forward together from that that point. And uh, so those are some things that we've been really focusing on together as a team and really trying to help uh, schools have those kinds of dialogues as well. Particularly, you know, it's been more challenging in recent years, despite the fact that, you know, education historically has a lot of structural racism and institutional racism, right? But, you know, in the past, however many years, it's been really hard to have conversations where there's a productive or generative conflict that come, allows for meaningful actions forward. Would you say that your coaching skills are certainly at play when you think about having those difficult conversations and getting people to open up and really coaching them through that process of understanding and seeing the challenges. Just as a coach, I think I can identify myself with so many of your stories because that's what I do with my clients. I mean, 100%. Yes, I think coaching skills are really transferable in many situations, family situations, parenting situations, friend situations. Um, But 100% as a leader, I think leveraging that coaching, what I call a coaching hat, because even when I'm in different conversations, I'll say to people, I'm putting on this hat, is that okay with you? Like my mentor hat or my, you know, coaching hat. And, and I want to, you know, because at times, it's really important to say, hey, I'm shifting sort of my role here. And at other times, it really is just about integrating those skills into the conversation, listening, right, really actively listening, not listening to get your point across, but listening to really hear what's being said and asking questions when you need to, or, you know, asking questions, period. And really also leveraging that space where as a coach, there are times you need to say the challenging things. So understanding how to bring those into the dialogue as well with compassion, but also in part for me, compassion is like kind of having some straight talk around that. Because you don't want to and someone to leave a conversation confused about what's happening here. What are we talking about? I think that's, you know, being generous and compassionate in the way that we communicate is important. So Stacey, let's um, shift gears here for a little bit and talk a little bit about a story or any, you know, examples of your work, you know, with whether it's a student or a colleague. Who would you say has inspired you on your journey? I think to name a person, I think I would go with my dad and One of the reasons I'll go with my dad is he was also my coach growing up, athletic coach, (laughs) when I was much younger. And one of the things he pressed upon me and the team was that there will always be someone better 
all you can do is improve yourself. Know what you're good at, get better at that, understand what you're not good at, and look around you because we're a team. And that has stuck with me through my leadership, through the way I engage today, and really thinking about when we think about collective leadership and collective impact, you can't do it alone, right? Like, I mean, obviously it's in the word collective, but you really can't do anything alone anyway, really. And so how do you really, you know, make impact and get things done as in a, in a team and with others? And, and so really understanding what I bring to the table, how I can consistently and always get better. And then how might I create a team around me that will not just complement where I'm not good, but also challenge me in what I am going to. How do you see your work impacting societal change in the future? I know that's a hard question. Yeah, it, it is a hard question. And I guess partially, I think about it through others. I, I really adapt a, a servant leadership mindset of I'm here to really help others shine their light. And in help, I mean, be a partner alongside them. Be that partner that allows others to really see what they can give to the world, to their community, to their home, to their classroom. Then I think, you know, those are like little sparks everywhere. And it really creates like a an impact that is way beyond what I could even imagine. And so that's how I like to think about that and really encouraging people to embrace different mindsets so that they can continue to adapt to things that are coming their way, uncertainties, new challenges, et cetera, so that they'll continue to have impact as they move through their own experiences and journeys. So on that note, Stacey, what advice would you give to educators seeking to make a difference in the lives of their students? The first thing I would say is just, you know, you mentioned this when you're talking about new leaders, like build those deep relationships with your students. I know it can be hard, especially as a secondary teacher, when you maybe have 100 kids in the room, um, but really develop those relationships I remember um, one of the principals I worked with, he said, every day, find something meaningful to say to a new student. And what that sparks and starts to create in a relationship with a kid is, is really powerful. Potentially send a new narrative through a student's head, right? If you're going to say something really meaningful about that student in front of you. And so I would say that would be the first thing to do, develop those deep relationships with students. Another thing I would say is really uh, ask questions, you know, be curious about your students and what helps them learn and their hopeful outcomes. Because it's not about you. As a teacher, you have learned these things already, right? The content. So if the students aren't learning it, then what's the point? If the students don't understand how this is going to impact their future and their growth, et cetera, then why would they, you know, listen or be all in? So how do you as a teacher really support building that collective um, vision together for what is this class about and how do we make steps together towards that and really involving them in the process? You know, those are some great takeaways. And any advice do you have, Stacey, for educators who may be looking to transition out of the classroom setting? Yeah, I think 
a little bit of a movement, although there's still some traditional job postings, right, that are all about more experience and and less about skills. But as an educator, you know, looking at those different roles and thinking about what are the skills that I have and not underestimating them, because I think teachers underestimate the skills that they build all the time. So really taking a pause, reflecting on what skills have I really developed as an educator, and then looking for those different roles that match those skills. And I would say because not all hiring teams can be out-of-the-box thinkers, <laughs> you might need to have a good cover letter that will appeal and let them and, and draw those connections to, hey, here's the different kind of skills that I have built on a day-to-day, 180 days a year, right, for X years, and, and here's how I could see them transferring to this role Uh, I don't think there's a, you know, obviously different things in the education industry are easy moves, but it doesn't have to be, they don't have to be the only moves that people make out of the classroom if they're interested. Yeah, that's a great takeaway. Stacey, let's talk a little bit about future projects. What are you working on right now? Or are there any future projects or plans that you're super excited about? Yeah. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, I am a podcaster. Um, I do co-host with some two amazing colleagues, a show called Educate Us or Educate US. Um, We were really just trying to make a playful title on words, but we're really talking about topics that are current in education and impacting education in the US and across the world. Um, We do that with partnership with Leon Media Network. Also with one of the podcast hosts, Dr. Patrice Fenton, we co-authored a book that will be published by Solution Tree hopefully in 2024, but we don't have the exact date yet. Um, And that book is around transforming collective power to create communities of belonging. Sounds amazing. Tell us any particular books that have strongly influenced your career or how you lead others today. Any recommendations? Non-traditional books, I would say, around leadership. Um, All About Love comes to mind by Bell Hooks, um, Undrowned, Women Who Run With Wolves is another one that I absolutely love. The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, Braiding Sweetgrass is one. Uh, That's a more recent one. The Prophet. I mean, the list could go on and on, but these are some that really influence uh, the way I think challenge myself about leadership. I'm going to have to look up some of those titles. Thank you for that recommendation. What's one thing people would be surprised to know about you? Well, that's a good question. Oh, I like to watch TV. I think people are always surprised by that. <laughs> and they're always like, and where do you find the space to watch TV? <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> but it really is something I enjoy. I love, I um, enjoy a wide variety of different types of TV shows. And depending on my mood or my day, I like to pick from one that, so I don't typically binge. I typically have like a running show that I decide on where my mood is that I want to watch. So we're actually coming up to towards the uh, end of our show here. I want to just talk a little bit about how our listeners, our audience can either find you or support you and your work. So could you talk a little bit about that? I know you mentioned the podcast before, but is there anything else that you would like to share? Yeah, two things I would love to share. Um, One, of course, if you're interested in following the podcast, you can um, follow that at leonmedianetwork.com and find the Educate US show tab. Um, You can also email 
educate us show at gmail.com. Um, I'm only on LinkedIn currently, as far as a social media platform and not super active there, but hope to be more active one day <laughs> there. And uh, the other thing I would put up is um, I am a board member of Disruptive Partners, org and we do that organization also does a lot of work with disrupting um, inequities in, in school systems and supporting that family to school connection um, so that's another place you could follow the different work that's happening there that's great and I will refer the links to Stacy's work in the show notes on uh, leadershipnarratives.com so you can certainly find that information there um, Stacy what is one final thought you want to leave our audience with Leadership is a journey. And I've thought a lot about well, what has brought me to leadership. And oftentimes people have, when I was younger, suggested I go into leadership and, and push in different ways. And I've had these different leadership experiences. But until I decided and embraced that I was a leader and that I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to redefine what leadership was to me. Like I didn't subscribe. Part of my challenge was I didn't subscribe to how leadership is formally known in to many, right? Or what often people think about leadership. So I guess my final thought would be to encourage people to push past those sort of boundaries and predefined notions of what leadership is and and embrace the leader that we all have inside ourselves and begin that journey. Stacy, you're just so f- much full of wisdom and nuggets. I mean, can I invite you back on my show later and we could talk about something completely different? Yes, I would love that, Angie. <laughs> it would be amazing. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. You've been so great. Thank you so much, Stacey. And thank you, listeners, for your time tuning into this week's uh, episode. If you've taken away something today that will help you to tweak how you lead, please tell us about it by reviewing the show wherever you're listening to this podcast. And be sure to tune back next week for another episode from another industry giant. And again, Stacey, thank you so much for your time and audience. We thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time. Thank you again. Thanks, Angie.